episode of Talking Jacks. Um, I'm joined today by Chris Davis, as, as many of you know, as well as uh, Hugh Roberts, uh, center back for the Charlotte Independence, of course. Um, he's kind of as well taken up the mantle of uh, vocal leader, um, I suppose, for the, uh, the Independence as well, as far as social change and just being willing to um, share his perspective during the, the times that we're all in here. Um, so that's kind of the introduction for this. We're going to be focusing on um, what he's doing and, and what he's uh, doing in the future and things like that. But uh wanted to thank you for, for taking the time today because I know you've got a lot of uh, busy things and, and games to worry about, which is probably a, a great thing to, to worry right, about, right. I suppose. Um, yeah. I appreciate you guys for having me. It's great to be on as always. Love the talking jacks. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here, man. Well, we'll kind of get into it. Uh, as as many of you have probably listened to, and um, I won't do too much of an introduction of where we are currently with the club and uh, and, and the owner Dan D'Amico. Um, if you yeah, haven't listened to. That. <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, I recommend doing that to kind of get some context of where we are currently. Um, but I'd kind of like to get your perspective, Hugh, on how you're feeling about how the club has responded um, to – let me put it this way. Uh, how do you feel the current the situation is currently with the club in, in – and Dan's actions and how they've been receptive more recently to, to working with your initiatives. Yeah. So in regards to Dan, I won't go into too much details. We've seen things on social media and other players backing him up, et cetera. And I, I really just do want to say that things in the locker room are hundred percent fine. We're good. We're chemistry is great. As I said last time on previous episodes, even though you see something on social media, though I'm not here to, you know, make something seem like, you know, there's trouble in the locker room, we're great. But I will say on that issue, just from a little bit on my standpoint, if we're talking about a business standpoint, if you're a business and you have a bunch of minorities on your team, I believe there's more minorities on this team than whites that are on this here in Charlotte Independence. And you're talking about your youth, talking about the future. Well, how can you not stand up or say anything for minorities on your club, minorities for not just for us now, but next year, minorities, more minorities are coming. Mm-hmm. More youth kids, minorities are going to come out your system. So you're not just speaking for us currently. You're speaking for your business in the future with these kids are going to see, well, if I'm, they're not representing me or protecting me or, you know, I'm feeling supportive. Like, it's going to be in the back of a minority kid's mind. Why would I go to a club that's not really, you know, backing me up or really for the cause? And that's 100% facts. And that, that's just my standpoint. Yeah. From a business standpoint, you know, he says things on business. Well, here's a business standpoint. You're going to affect your business by not really saying anything or even, you know, going on social media saying the exact opposite of what we're all trying to address on the field at all. It doesn't really... Um, look well and no I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen on Twitter he replied to a tweet of mine no he has not reached out to me no I've not met with him mm. and in regards to that no nah, I haven't really been in contact or met with him at all um, okay. in terms of the club so um, I know you guys have seen that one meeting on social media when they the, uh, when Jim came in Tim came in they talked about that first meeting there's actually a follow-up meeting to that last week so, and as I've said before on previous shows, it's a, it's a better late than never kind of thing. The club kind of 
in those meetings, it was an open table discussion that kind of gave us the realm and, you know, asking us ideas on what they should do. And so it was a lot of discussion, me and some other players as well, talking about how these changes should have been implemented for years now, not just this year. Um, one guy on the staff, not going to name names, mentioned how the independents can do free food drives, free health care. I'm like, that's great, but this should have been going on. This should be going on monthly. This should be going on almost every single week with food drives, food sponsorships. Um, I address these things. Other players on the team address these things. Another member in the front office mentioned how change needs to happen within the organization. So I stepped in and I kind of agreed with that. But I said, if we want to change within the organization, well, it starts at the top where you need to have minority at the top, minority within the office, minority within the coaching staff. You have a single minority youth coach. So it all starts, yes, within the organization, but the change needs to happen within the organization because these kids that are coming up, they can't be what they can't see. So mm -hmm. why they're not going to try as hard for a coach that's not understanding, especially right now in these times, how critical these times are. So... Yeah, I addressed those things and they accepted it was a good open table, like I said, conversation. It's been they've been open. Those those kind of initiatives I mentioned before about the health care, about food drives and about education, that's like the top three initiatives that they're on right now. Meeting mm -hmm. some players are trying to get on them where it's, we're getting food drives weekly, not just once a month, with multiple sponsors. We're trying to do free food for impoverished communities, we're trying to do free health care and COVID checkups, uh, hopefully weekly, but at least monthly, but these are all initiatives that they kind of mentioned to us that they can do. We're like, this has to be done, not mm -hmm. can, it has yeah. to be done. So uh, I'm optimistic. I'm hoping that they're going to keep following up with us and I'm going to be on them as well to try to get out get out there and be active and act upon this because I don't want this. Is, I think this should be going on every single year within the club and at least once a month, ideally food drives once a week because you can get multiple sponsors and just do one week per month. So yeah, this is, this is that's the fight that's kind of going on right now, but it's been good. It's, it's a slow process, but I think with this game coming up, I think with the home game next Wednesday, it's gonna be a lot more momentum when fans start to see us in the shirts and fans are also wearing the stands, rocking the same shirts as us and there's pictures and social media with that. I think that's when the real traction is gonna start. Yeah, do you think that the club has been more receptive here recently to those initiatives that you've brought up and in, uh, in actionable items that you've uh, brought to their attention? Yeah, I think they have been, but I honestly think it starts with what's been going on on quarantine. I also, <clears throat> also want to give you guys a lot of kudos because it started with you guys, not just me speaking up, but when you have Talking Jacks putting out a statement before the independence even puts out a statement, when you have all the supporters group messaging, DMing the owners and putting a lot of heat on them, not just once because you put it on, I think way back for the Aubrey Floyd death and then a couple of weeks ago you followed up again with a lot of you know ads and mentions like and then Ashley followed up with articles from me and Brandon like all that momentum all really spoke to what's going on now I don't I don't think it would be as strong if we all didn't have the whole community behind us supporting us players first which acted upon the independence and kind of forced their hand to do something because it would have looked it would have looked very bad if they didn't still but it is a long way to go, and they they are being receptive. They are, you know, trying to come to training more, emailing us, uh, following up on these initiatives. So as I said, we'll see. We'll honestly see. But right now, it's, it's on a nice, steady track. So, Hugh, um, something that I've noticed is you have, as Ben mentioned, put yourself in a kind of a vocal leadership role. And I remember even, like, before everything kind of snowballed with the fans and the the club, uh, you were putting out, I want to say it was a video on Ahmaud Aubrey, and then, you know, 
then you put out that uh, awesome article with uh, USL itself. And I was just curious between that and then how you've used your voice on uh, uh, Backyard Footy. Uh, could you speak on what's motivated you to uh, be that voice and step up? Because I think it's one thing to believe these things, but it's another thing to try to put in action and try to get others motivated. That's a good question. Honestly, it's very, it's been deep down in me since I've been a little kid, to be honest with you. I was born in Queens, New York. Um, my whole mom's size up in Queens, New York. I moved out when I was three or four, but I used to go there every summer up until high school and visit my whole family. And that kind of, I live in DC, but I go up to New York and see the differences in the communities, mm -hmm. the um, middle class in comparison to the lower income classes. I was awoke to this as, as early as elementary. So that really motivated me to help my family first. And I've always wanted as, as a kid to help my New York family. So that transition to now where, no, I'm not there, but I'm always been wanting to help communities, help my people keep this going. So now that I felt like, you know, with this Ahmad Arby video, that kind of initiated all of this, but that's just me, you know, reaching out to a videographer that I knew here, reaching out to him. He was also on the same wave with me, like, hey, we need to put out a video. I'm glad you reached out to me kind of thing. But I've been in this league for seven years now, multiple teams. I feel like even if I have a little platform, I, it's better to say something and it's time to say something. And that's kind of why I spoke up. But this has been inside of me since I've been a little kid. And I'm just very fortunate and glad that now things are starting to come into fruition. And this is really just the beginning of what I have planned to do. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've also uh, really enjoyed, uh, you've had a couple uh, backyard footy episodes where it's like you have a panel of a whole bunch of different players from all different leagues, all different levels. And it's a bunch of black voices expressing their experiences, both, you know, in their leagues, but just, you know, being black men. I mean, like you even said in the, the video, you could have been a Maude Aubrey. So many people could have been a Maude Aubrey. And um, I was, I was curious about those in particular, like how did those kind of panels come about the way you decided to put those out there? Yeah. So I'm really, you know, in quarantine sitting around trying to figure out what I, I like to plan my episodes out just futuristically. I still go with the flow, but I like to have some kind of idea. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm kind of tired of doing what I've been doing. I want to make sure my episodes now are more educational wise and more education based, especially what's going on right now. And so I'm sitting here thinking about how I knew a good amount, especially in the East coast, almost all the black players on the East coast teams mm -hmm. hit up those guys. They knew some guys on the West coast teams. I'm like, listen, like, I don't see why we haven't even discussed. I think this is the perfect platform. Um, Brandon actually also mentioned this to me like a month or two ago that we need to have a discussion. I'm like, man, this is just perfect. So I had the first one, reached out to a bunch of guys that are all even more ecstatic than I even thought they would be about talking about these things. Had created a little group text message chat for the following one. I had a couple of guys reach out to other guys that they felt like they wanted to be a part of the, a part of the movement or whatever. Couple guys like Kiri and Fatai jumped on, and then that really just changed the wave because, as you guys saw, SC Cincinnati caught track of this, their fan mm -hmm. group caught track of this, and then all of a sudden the management groups donating two hundred fifty thousand to diversity committees and within the community and stuff. And honestly, I think that's probably the biggest achievement that I personally had in my career because this really was just a conversation, and the fact that the conversation woke whole organization up to donate hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars was speaks volumes, but it also showed that these clubs think that their statements is good enough. And then you can listen to Fatai talking about how he's getting racist comments still, how it's not good enough, how they're not in the meetings, et cetera. And then that, you know, that woke the board up, but it just really just woke a lot of organizations up. Like this is not good enough what you're doing. And this is even before MLS black players committee happened before they sent a little message and stuff. So it all kind of just fed into their whole opening scene. I felt like, 
yeah, yeah, it was definitely powerful and needed, and uh, definitely something that I continue. I want to continue on with that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I I I've definitely really enjoyed both episodes, and it's great that it brought that awareness. I knew some Cincinnati fans really caught wind of it, but I didn't know about that uh, donation. So that's that's great. Uh, speaking of donations, uh, something that you've been working on recently is a Black Lives Matters uh, shirt in partnership with I want to say, Queen's English Pod. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. and uh, benefiting three different organizations. I was curious, how did that shirt come about? Yeah, so, you know, Queen's English was on my, um, uh, Goose Nose was on my Cookout Part 2 episode. Mm. That was the first time I actually connected with them. They reached out to me a couple weeks before then and was like, hey, we want to have you on my show kind of thing. I was like, listen, join my show. So after that episode, they reached out to me. It was like, we feel so inspired. We had no idea about the issues of, you know, being Black in South America. They educated themselves reached out to me and was like, hey, we know OMJ, who can create a shirt from you, what do you think? And I was like, listen, I've always wanted to create a foundation. I've always wanted to create these shirts. But honestly, I wanted these shirts to be a part of the independence at first. Mm -hmm. I know you guys have seen um, all these Black Lives Matter shirts throughout the league, but it's so simple with having the logo crest on it, on the shirt, and then you have Black Lives, whatever, it could have been easily represented. But this is something that I wanted the independents to do first, and they weren't, weren't really supportive of quarantine, weren't really bad, so I had to go around them with Queen's English. So mm -hmm. thankfully, they knew OMJ, knew the contact with the guys, got in contact with us. We're like, listen, we should create a... I told them about my idea with the foundation. Chris, who's part of Queen's English, was 100% about it. He's like, let's create these T-shirts. Um, and I, I kind of created this design. We, we both messed around with it, but, you know, we kind of just came up with this design together. Um, mm -hmm. I told him I, I king some things with the fist, whatever, and then we just launched it. It was it was awesome, the re reception I've been getting right now, but we, I definitely felt like a shirt was needed. I'm thankful that Independence backed it up and supported it, um, put it out there, because I know from their standpoint, it would have looked look even worse if all yeah. the players are rocking it and they didn't support this as well. So. I know that plays some role, but it's cool though. I, I'm just glad that um, Chris just hit me up with OMJ. We were able to create this t-shirt and this foundation because I wanted something visually to represent and not let this uh, movement die down, you know, other than this bands that we'll be, we'll be rocking during the games. I wanted something Charlotte specific. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm thankful the t-shirts happened and then I created the GoFundMe the next day because I'm like, people are hitting me up, not just to buy the shirts, but they also just want to donate money just for mm -hmm. the cause. I'm like, listen, I'll give people two options um, to buy the t-shirts and, but they both go to the same foundation and the same charity. So very thankful this happened. So how did you pick the foundations? Is there anything you can tell us about them? Yeah. So um, Chris actually knew some contacts within creative players and roots in the community. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys saw originally, but one seven was on it. Um, one seven. I won't go into the details with that. I was, my dad actually went to Granger High School here in Charlotte when he was in high school. It was a part of 1-7, helped them out. And so that's how I knew about them when I came. I used to do every week after school care with them, help the kids out and everything before this quarantine happened. So I was really involved and I wanted them to be a part of it. Long story short, people still think this is a political movement, a political statement, and mm -hmm. don't want to fully support it. I can't knock everyone as entitled to their own rights. And so that's kind of how that kind of fell through. But, um, and then we were able to reach out to Black Love. Black Love, um, our, my research on them, and that's kind of, you know, because of one seven, found some other organizations. There's plenty of other organizations out here. I don't want to just donate to these three. But I got in contact with Black Love because I really support their mission and what they're doing. And they're kind of 
um, more focused on resources and essential tools to help uplift people within the community. So each, each charity kind of has specific different reasons why we're donating into them. I can dive into it now. Um, my first charity is to Roots in the Community Market Foundation that provides healthy and affordable food and scholarships to impoverished communities. So I really think there's a lot of um, dry desert areas here in the city where grocery shops, especially in the impoverished communities are hard to find. I see a lot of corner stores and some food lines, but really it's hard to find healthy food. So that was key and that's important for me. Creative Player Foundation is kind of sports education, soccer specific in at-risk urban communities. And that's big for me because one of my things with the soccer community and soccer world has been the pay to play issue. And my mission right now as well is to create nonprofits and free opportunities for minority kids and kids who can't pay to play soccer, but mm -hmm. it shouldn't be the problem. It should be as long as you're good enough and talented, you have an opportunity. So that's what Creative Player Foundation is really focused on. And I really wanted to support that as well. And I mentioned Black Love too. Um, and I'm also donating $10 every game for shutouts, or sorry, 15 for shutouts, 10 for every goal, $10 per game period mm -hmm. to the heart organization as well. And that's what Brandon's a part of too. So, um, and trying to keep this growing. I'm not just, like I mentioned, I'm not just gonna reach out to those four, but to other ones throughout this area and community. Hopefully I can be here for some time and just continue to grow my web and, you know, put more, more hands into the community. I'm also doing things, I coach for the Charlotte Eagles as well. So I'm doing things with the Charlotte Eagles, trying to get, uh, I'm really, I think I'm the only black coach in that whole organization too. So I'm really trying to change some ways and educate them as well. And really it, it's a work in progress, but we're just getting started. And uh, yeah, a lot of change that needs to happen, but it's been good. Awesome. And something you've, you've touched base on this a little bit, but I'm curious from your perspective of um, the process of presenting the club with options, um, maybe not that, maybe them being not as welcome to doing those options and things like that. But but how do you feel about where we are currently with with the way the club has been more receptive here recently? Do do you feel like it's a step in the right direction or or what's your opinion on on where we are currently with how things have in my opinion it seems like it's been a a positive uh view for them to be receptive to your to your your writings and things along those lines and your initiatives but i'm curious on uh how you view those things not just with me just in general collectively i think it's a little behind the curve still but as i mentioned before it's better late than never i think as you mentioned it's very it's definitely positive it's definitely been needed it's been needed for months ago now, um, but they, as I told them still, they still have a chance now. Clubs have just been putting out statements, putting out shirts, and that's it. <clears throat> they have a chance to go into the community and actually make a difference and show people what they're actually doing with their money and with their players and how they're actually affecting change into the communities. So to show that, it can really put the club still in the forefront, even though it's still you know behind a little bit. It can put them in the forefront in comparison to other clubs who aren't really doing too much or just donating money and taking a, a seat back where, you know, they can get in the forefront, actually going to communities, have seminar, seminar or webinars, sorry, and seminars where we're, we're, you know, using the players and educating the youth. So it's coming, it's a work in progress, but it's definitely been positive. It's definitely been needed. I'm glad um, that they're, you know, been disreceptive. Honestly, they still could have been like, you know, they still, there's some, we're, 
uh, I'll, I'll get into the details later, but you know, I've been talking to other black players throughout the league, and there's a lot of clubs not or telling players not to, uh, to kneel, not to voice their opinions, mm. not to speak wow. up. Even though the commissioner said in the statement, we want all players to say whatever, there's yeah. still clubs saying it's a political statement. I don't want all my players doing this and that. So even to that extent, like I do commend them for even reaching out and you know, kind of saying like, I'm sorry, you know, for not supporting you guys. You know, how can we help? Kind of thing. And that to do that, it does a lot of clubs and even a president really won't, won't do that and take a step down. So I do commend them for that because, as I mentioned, there's a bunch of players in the league right now who are still frustrated with their voices not being heard in certain areas in this league. So it is getting better, and it's definitely going to be a work in progress, but. Hopefully we can continue continue on with this for the rest of the year. Yeah. Wow, that's that's insane. There's still clubs out there not letting letting players, you know, speak and kneel like that. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Did you have another question there, Ben? Yeah. So there's there's something a little off script. I'm curious on because um, you have been kind of a transient player in the sense that you've moved around a little bit in the league. I'm curious if there's anything about Charlotte that's made it more appealing to um, maybe not put your roots here, but to be more vocal about issues and be a, a catalyst for change more specifically in Charlotte. Has there been anything specific about the city or anything like that? That's Yeah, I'd say – the culture and the community in the South, just in general, is very different than the North. I'm born in the North. All my teens, pretty much, besides Richmond. I'd even consider Richmond the North in comparison to now that I'm here in Charlotte, because Richmond really is in the South, and being down here. But the culture is strong down here. I feel a lot of support, a lot of love. I feel that just speaks not just with the Black community, but just the community in whole. I feel like it's an up-and-coming city, so that you know, intrigues me more <clears throat> to put my foot down in the city that's building still and see that transition. Um, <clears throat> the sports teams definitely attract me, but not just the sports teams, the opportunities within the sports to uh, grow my brand outside of what I'm doing now. And that's kind of led me to ESPN 730 and all the opportunities here, even connecting with you guys too. But I just felt like I, I've known Mike and I've known this club and organization for a while. So that played a role into how they played soccer and just the playing on the back playing that reminds me of Richmond a lot. And that's where I, was my first three years in the league. That's my roots. Um, so I, I just definitely feel the community and the culture is strong here, and there's definitely a lot of support. And I'm not saying a lot of, a lot of cities aren't like that. Every team I've been at, Bethlehem, uh, Pittsburgh, everywhere has been exceptional, and it's been great. Yeah. Just the um, city and just outside of sports in general, just the city in general, it's been a lot of love here. Mm. And now we'll kind of transition into um... – well, thankfully, there's a, a game in a few days. All right. Um, as of recording at the, on the 22nd of July, there's, there's a game in a few days, which probably is pretty exciting for you. I'm curious how you feel about getting back to playing in, in the sense of we're, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, um, being tested. I think it's weekly or, or with some regularity, and then how – yeah, like, how does that feel as a player to, to kind of go back to a sense of normalcy in the middle of a pandemic when maybe in, in, in the middle of uh, so much social change? Like, there's so many things going on, and you're, you're trying to get back to a sense of normalcy in, with a game you love. 
I'm kind of split, to be honest with you. I'm split between half of me has been itching for this for months now just to get back, and the teams we've been practicing well, flying well. The chemistry's been great just, just to be around the guys, and I'm excited for this game this weekend. But half of me, a lot of people don't know, but there was, we had optional training during quarantine. I didn't go to any of the optional trainings because I didn't want to risk myself and, you know, jeopardize my career. We weren't getting tested or anything. I was like, you know, me and, me and not just me, some other guys, veteran guys on the team are like, we'd rather do things on our own than be with mm -hmm. the team and risk ourselves. And that spoke to even now where we're, you know, considering flying to Memphis and running on airports and risking ourselves as players, not on Memphis, but just throughout the league and contracting and stuff. And we feel like the league still not really caring or postponing games, not just our games, but there's other games throughout the league where like five or six players have been getting contracted and they're still having games. So we really don't know who anyone can get contracted the day before the game too. So there's just a high yeah. risk and it's something that has us on edge. Definitely not just me. This is, this is voices from a lot of players on the team. There's a lot of concern, but we, it's a business and we know we're like kind of pawns to this organization and, you know, not just us, but the smaller clubs that need revenue from players and home games and merchandise and stuff. We understand that, but it's definitely in the back of our minds thinking and worrying too, that we can get contracted at any time. It's, it's tough. It's tough. I'm curious, and I'm not, I don't follow USL like uh, Ben does. I more or less just focus on the independence. But, like, is there an option for you guys to not play and still, like, like if you don't feel safe, is, it op is there an option for you to not to play or do you not get paid at that point or something like that? Yeah, so the players' union fought for us players where if we, if any player felt unsafe because of this pandemic and the virus, then they're they were not obligated to play. As long as they came to mutual terms with the president or the owners and stuff, they both mm -hmm. come to some come to some agreement, they understand, then the player doesn't have a uh, player doesn't have to play this season. We actually had have one player on this team who decided not to this season. I'm sure you, you guys will find out about that soon. But mm. it, that option was there. Thankfully the players union, you know, represented us. Thank very thankful for them because that shouldn't have been even an option normally. Yeah the club's going to make you pay because you're contractually obli obligated to do these things. But we fought for that and gave players the option as long as you come to a mutual agreement with the owners and both parties understand, then you, you can decide to play the season if you don't want to. That's good. Mm -hmm. so did you have any other questions for him? Ben? Yeah, I guess I'd like to, to end it on this note. Um, is there anything, any future plans you may have, or anything you'd like to leave the listeners with as far as future things, um, as far as your initiatives go? Yeah, uh, definitely stay tuned, not just to my foundation now, but definitely to more projects within the community. Like I said, one of my big focuses on, like besides the foundation thing, is the healthcare and the free food and, you know, free food driving opportunities. Because I, I feel like for years, not just now, but for decades, we've been uh, minorities been, you know, struggling communities just to get healthy food and just to get healthcare checkups and just to, it costs a lot of money and I understand. So those initiatives are coming, um, not just with that, but definitely within this club, trying to make a difference that's um, everlasting, not just within a year. Maybe they donate X amount of money every single year to certain communities and organizations. Definitely, you know, being involved now, kind of the bridge between the players and 
the owner's staff right now where I can, you know, be on them. They're, they're open right now. Right now it's open, it's an open door policy. So right now I want to make sure where, wherever we, whatever we do implement, it's not just something that's going to last for the next six months or the rest of the season. This is going to be every single year. So stay tuned to some works and some projects because it's in my vision to make some change. All right, well, we'll leave it there. Uh, it looks like the uh, the Zoom meeting is about to kick us out anyway. So, <laughs> but thank you, uh, Hugh, for taking the time. And uh, I I will be watching the game more than likely, but uh, I'm excited to see uh, the independents get back out there. Uh, and more specifically, the players, of course, mm -hmm. um, get out there and uh, compete. Um, and also, thanks to Chris for uh, co-hosting with me tonight to uh make it a little bit easier for me yeah of course it's a little bit more awkward than when we're in person with someone on the phone we, we the give and take is but we'll, we'll get used to this but uh thank you so much you uh i'll definitely include links in the show notes for the uh the shirt and the gofundme i was wondering does your foundation have a name or a website or anything like that yeah, the, those those things will uh, take you straight to the website. The um, the shirts have a, their own separate website within itself, mm -hmm. OMJ. Um, but uh, right now, it's just back here at 40 Times Queen's English Foundation, kind of just bringing notoriety to both podcasts since we're up-and-coming podcasts. I think that was our main focus on that, just so people can see the brand and understand the brand. Mm -hmm. um, but... Yeah, those are those links on my bios are the main website links, but I'm gonna create my own website now, Shopify accounts so I can go on IG and open the market in the shop so people can also just shop right on IG. That's on the way. Yeah, that's great. For apparel too, BYF apparel. I met a black owned apparel company out here two days ago and so I'm finally getting some apparel on the way. So definitely stay tuned for that too. Sounds great. Well, uh thank you so much again, Hugh. Well, Ben, you're the main host. You close this out, I guess. Yeah, we'll close it out. This is, uh, I don't know, this has been another episode of Talking Jacks. Uh, I'm going to end episodes and I'm going to end conversations. Uh, Woo! Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>